Hello, you're listening to the Adventure Game Club podcast. This week we are talking about Thomastry and Charm's Way, a text adventure launched in 2017 that was developed by Bob Bates. I'm your host, Michael, and joining me this week are Martine. Hello. And Kevin. Hey there. Okay, so this was our game for May. Uh, we're a bit behind due to various personal stuff, but getting caught up. Um, this was a game suggested by SpinLink Q. Uh, he wasn't able to join us this week, but hopefully for the Goblins episode. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so it's a text adventure that kind of has an interesting history. Um, like it's a new commercial, re- newish commercial adventure um, by Bob Bates, who was previously a designer for Infocom and worked on uh, Sherlock Riddle of the Crown Jewels and Arthur Quest, the Quest for Excalibur. Uh, unlike a lot of designers, he was an external developer who had his own studio. Yeah, I read something about this. I don't remember what happened exactly. I think the original idea was to be like an Infocom competitor or something. And then at one point he was just able to, um, what's it called? Like license the their, their technology or something. So then, yeah, then he wasn't really a competitor anymore. Then he was just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's interesting because I think he was the only one to be an external developer for them, right? Yeah, I think because the original plan was not to be part of Infocom, but to, yeah, make p- competing games. But yeah, I don't know. His his games are interesting, the the Sherlock and the uh, the Arthur one because they have graphics. Yeah. Did you ever play either of them? I have not. Okay. I have seen screenshots, that's all. But yeah, you think of Infocom as, as like these pure text games and his games have graphics. So that's novel. Um, Arthur was pretty fun. I didn't get very far because I played it roughly when it came out. And so it was small and foolish. Um, but other later Infocom games also had graphics like Zork Zero is the one that pops in mind immediately. And I know Beyond Zork had at least an auto map, which yeah, and uh, title screen, but I don't know mm-hmm. if it had any other graphics in it. Yeah, uh, towards the end, I think Infocom was starting to play with graphics because you had Shogun, which is an adaptation of a novel, and I think Journey, which is like I think I never played it, but I think it's kind of like an RPG adventure game hybrid. Maybe I never played it, but. Um, yeah, I think one interesting thing that we'll see about in Bob Bates's career is kind of this attempt to make uh, text adventures more approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, because you kind of you mentioned that he had graphics in this, and then after Infocom closed, he went on to co-found Legend Entertainment, mm-hmm. which has started off doing text adventures. They had graphics and Martin, you even did a video yeah. about his company. I did. I make a I made a video on uh, Gateway, which is um 
I just love that game. I, I played Gateway, well, not when it came out, but in the 90s for sure. And I was kind of new to text adventures at the time. And I had a really good time because I had been playing graphical adventures. So I don't know. I, I felt like checking out one of these Infocom games, but they always seemed really hard to get into. And then I found Gateway and, and I was just immediately hooked. And uh, it's really accessible. It's really, you just don't think of, of games being so accessible when it's pure text. But yeah, it, it's really, it's just, it really soaks you in. Like, I don't know, it's, it's a cool world. And I, w- I never got stuck, particularly like I didn't need a walkthrough or anything. So yeah, it's just a really nice, nice game. And I... I, I always suggest people play Gateway because it's, a, I don't know, is it an obscure game? I would say so, but maybe within the uh, interactive fiction world, it's it's maybe one of the more mainstream games. I don't know. It's old also, so I don't know. But yeah, Gateway's cool. And that's made uh, not by Bob Bates alone, but he was definitely part of it. As with most Legend games, I think it was more of a collaborative effort. Yeah, just mm-hmm. glancing at the credits for it, it looks like he did design, took credit for design and implementation of part two of the game and then additional design and systems mm-hmm. architecture. He's yeah. definitely a programmer as well. Gateway is a weird one in that my understanding is that they kind of just split the game into chunks and mm-hmm. gave each chunk to a pair of developers, I think. I think they did that because the other people working on it were very new. And I don't I don't think they made games before. So I don't think Legend felt comfortable giving them the whole game to make. So they figured maybe they can just make part of a game and then, you know, we can do it all collaboratively and we can check out each other's work and that way learn the ropes while also having some checks and balances on, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's what they did. And Bob Bates, definitely. I mean, he's he was like the, the veteran, right? So he, yeah. he knew what he was doing, I guess. Yeah. And so I think they did quite a few text adventures with graphics and slowly made their way towards graphical adventures, like Kellyanne's Cross Time Saloon and then first-person shooters. Which is an interesting <laughs> jump because they did the Wheel of Time game in Unreal 2. Mm-hmm. And maybe some other stuff. But towards the end there, yeah, they uh, I think they're kind of taking on whatever work they could get because... That's uh, what it feels yeah. like. Just yeah. random projects. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, sort of similar to what happened to Sierra in a way. Like starting out with these narrative games and in the end doing like, I don't know, did they do Half-Life or something? They published it. Yeah. Yeah. I so think it's a, yeah. I think like Half-Life was like one of the last things Ken Williams helped get going at Sierra before he left. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of got that ball rolling and then left the company while Valve was producing it or developing it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, that was just, how things were in the 90s because the adventure game genre had its collapse, I guess, commercially. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
weird stuff. Things just had to be 3D. That was just the whole mindset in the half half to late 90s. If you weren't making a 3D game, then well, what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. So yeah, and so I think yeah. So I eventually Legend closed in 2004, and I. From what I was reading, it sounded like he was doing a lot of consulting for various companies and then eventually got a job at Zynga, um, who is mostly known for doing a lot of casual free-to-play games. Um, I think What's the big one? For, but I always get these companies confused. Is it Farmville? Confused. It's is that, Farmville, right. Yeah. I think. I, I never know because I, I don't play these games, you know, so... right. There's, there's, I, I don't even know the games. Like they're super well known, but I don't know what all the these casual games. There's, there's one with, uh, like a puzzle game where you get three in a row with what is it, diamonds or something. That's oh, one bejeweled? of the big, bejeweled. Yeah, that's one of the big casuals. And there was the, the one with the the birds, Angry Birds was one. Right. And it was a whole era of these, and they were right in the middle of it, Singa. So Farmville, yeah. Oh, it's a Facebook game, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah it. that was a huge industry for a while. I don't mm. really know what happened that made, you know, but I just know that a lot of companies banked heavily on doing these Facebook games and it was what kept them going. Like, I think Shane Jensen worked on one. I know she was doing a lot of casual games for a while mm. and I think she even worked on that. Um, there's a lot of designers that worked on these kinds of games. Um, and then something happened, even though casual games still exist and you have things like Roblox that are a billion times more popular than anything we'll ever talk about on here. Um, <laughs> which even though I like, it's not something I know anything about, but it just, it's, it's, but you know about it. <laughs> I know about it, but it's just, yeah, casual games are a weird thing in that, like, I feel like a lot of capital G gamers just don't play them or know anything about them. And mm -hmm. it turns out they bring in far more money than or yeah. in players than anything we'll ever play. Well, there's is, just way more non-hardcore gamers than hardcore right. gamers. So yeah. yeah, it makes sense, but it's like a blind spot for, I don't know, real gamers. Right. So, yeah. Which, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I never play this stuff. I have no idea. So, yeah, Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, it's not like, I don't, like, we're not looking down on the games or anything. We just don't no. know anything oh, about no, them. No, I worked on a couple. Like, oh, okay. Back. Really? <laughs> Definitely. They make money. Yeah. <laughs> and they're decent games. Yeah. Um, and then, so, I... I think he's still in that field. I'm not completely sure. He's not retired. He's still working in games. Um, he he's published... pretty old, by, uh, by the way. Yeah, he's I mean... almost yeah, he's almost seventy at the time of this recording. Um, so he's definitely been in the industry for a while, but he's still active, working in games. And um, he published. I remember him being really excited that he published a fantasy novel a few years ago. I picked that up. I still haven't read it yet, but it sounded pretty decent. It's called The Ritual. Um, mm. So he's still writing. And that's, so that's neat. Cool. Uh, 
do we want to talk about what this game is actually like? Well, I think the last thing to say about like the history of Bob Bates is is what launched this game, right? Is the he he did um, a Kickstarter in two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Um, weirdly, I read that he had been already had been working on the game for eleven years by that point, which seems long. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if he just maybe there's just something like he had in the back of his mind for quite a while while he's working on these casual games and just being like thinking about like what would I do if I had the chance to make another one. Hmm. My that's my guess anyway because and not that like. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking, but that's just my guess. I, I assume that yeah. all these designers have people saying, you know, when are you going to make another whatever, like text adventure, adventure game, whatever. It's it's uh, it's very novel to make a text adventure at all, I feel. In a way now, it's maybe less weird than... 10 or 20 years ago when it was really weird to do this. That's what I feel like anyway. Like you couldn't get further from mainstream gaming than making a text adventure in like, I don't know, 2004. Right. Um, Yeah. Like the genre basically commercially died in the mid to early 90s, I think. Yeah. From my, so it had a, and then, so I think, so my memory of the genre is that it basically, whatever, died, whatever you want to call it. And then um, you had the, these fan communities developing new games um, a lot who became a part of the industry later on, like Sam Barlow and Andrew Plotkin and Emily Short. But for like a good, 10 to 15 years it was almost all free games i think you had a couple people that tried to do commercial games Mm -hmm. um to limited success but um limited commercial success and then things started to pick up a little bit with like mobile gaming and also indie gaming in general, I think. Yeah. Just the whole the whole movement of people making games on their own and then finding formats that work as a single developer. I mean, text games are really up there when it comes to, you know, able to pull off on your own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a yeah. big reason, I feel. And if, if we're talking about just all IF in general, like that can include Twine and stuff by ankle like 80 days and whatever so you know i I think there's aaron marie just published a book called 50 years of text games that Hmm. um where kind of one of the points of the book is to show that you know text games are still a thing and maybe they're not what we think of it's not like a traditional text adventure but you can still have successful games that are basically just text um yeah for sure um we we talked earlier about norco right yeah that's basically a text adventure mm-hmm. i mean yeah. there are graphics and they're significant but they're also optional i think like you can ignore them and still play the game so for the, for the most part yeah 
Yeah. So, and there's I, a lot I, of yeah. yeah. I was just thinking what Bob was doing for those 11 years. And I thought maybe he was like developing the technology, like he maybe was making an engine or something. But it says on Wikipedia that the that, that Thomistry uses um, TATS3, yeah. which is an engine from the 80s, I think. Or well, the first version. It's an older anyway. engine. Yeah, the big, the big text adventure game engines or languages are TADS in, in form. Yeah. Like various versions of both. Yeah. Uh, I think TADS so, is... Yeah. I, I haven't worked with either really, but I think TADS is supposed to be more friendly for graphics and audio, maybe. It mm. feels like that anyway from the games that I played that... I don't know. There's probably someone listening to the screaming at me. But <laughs> the, 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 my that's just my impression is that it's a little more friendly to having like external or other forms of media like graphics and music in it mm. which which thomistry has has some of i mean is it yeah it's thomistry right it's a made-up word it's a weird title uh but it it does have some graphics i don't know if it has music i don't remember maybe definitely has a map so which yeah which has graphics in it yeah but anyway, he wasn't he wasn't making the technology or or maybe I don't know. I mean, he was using this engine anyway. So It said that uh on the Kickstarter page it says that he wrote the script and then sent it to people after 11 years. So hmm. I'm wondering I'm wondering if that was implying that he had written the script in an engine and was seeking to finish the rest of it or if he had just literally written it as a script. Right. Yeah, I don't know. But the, but the Kickstarter, I think, Kevin, you pointed out this video, right? This, the Kickstarter it also video. shows up on the Steam page, I believe. It's a thing. <laughs> I guess that's what you have to do. Like, we'll, we'll talk about the video in a second. But with for it is a text adventure, so you can't really show parts of the game for an exciting sales pitch to most people. Mm-hmm. Right? Um especially if you're trying to make something a little more mainstream. Uh, so you have to throw in, so you have to put together a video. I just watched this right before we started recording. So you make a video of various famous game developers talking about this concept you made up for your game. Do you um, think they all played it? <laughs> there's, there's several people in there, like... Big people. I want to. I want to say these are big names. I don't know if they are really. I don't think if you go out in the street, anyone knows these people. But eh, in in the in the game industry, in the in the in the narrative the game industry specifically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like so, yeah. Steam Rusky, um, uh, Tim Schafer, and uh, who was the other one? Hello. Hello. Thank you. Hello starts it even, and I just couldn't remember. <laughs> hmm. Do you think they've played it? Do you think they've played this game, or are they just there to, you know? <laughs> I bet Steve's help, played help it. Pop out. Yeah, okay. Steve's played <laughs> yeah. it. I think. Um, I was. I was going to say. I bet Tim has played it. Steve probably. Uh, so nobody thinks Al played it. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but he's hard to get a read on. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, these are all art. Well, no, Steve isn't. I was going to say these are all people that launched games Kickstarters. Um, but I think that's just Al and Tim. Yeah. Mostly Tim, I would say. I mean, I don't know how involved LO really was. Uh, you're talking about the Larry reboot thing, right? Yeah, he was involved and that was a whole... It wasn't his fault, but it was a kind of a disaster in production, but not because of him. Um, that's Un- unlike whole... Tim Schafer's efforts, which went swimmingly. <laughs> well, no, but I, it's a whole thing. You could do a whole episode on that remake. It's a weird one. Um, but anyway, yeah, but the, uh, this this Kickstarter went well, like shockingly Did well it? for a game. Do you think? I mean, I think right. Well, it it they. I don't know what the goal was, but they brought in thirty five thousand dollars from about thousand backers, which I mean, it's not nothing. It's not bad. It's not. But if you bring in the big names and everything, I wonder if they if they expected more than this, maybe. I don't know. No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it's a hmm. text adventure. The goal was 25,000, so it was 10,000 okay. more than... Okay. It wasn't like it just barely squeaked across. No. Um. So I don't know if... I don't think there was anything like stretch goals, really. Maybe there mm-hmm. were. Um, no. Okay, there were. I was, I'm looking at it now. It wasn't anything... To so basically, the stretch goal that only one that hit was Cyber Feelies, um, which was kind of a neat thing to get with the game. I mean, it, otherwise, it was just like Android and iOS ports probably would have been good for the game to hit, maybe. Other than that, uh, there's a plan maybe for a soundtrack if it made 70,000, but that's twice. You know, yeah. What? But, but so, you know, is it doesn't that kind of imply that he was hoping, like this would bring in a million dollars, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't That's, know. No, it's, it's always a weird thing because it's like, like I mean, he not, did have someone not, picked out, right? But not knowing him, but knowing his career, I suspect he he had a reasonable goal in mind and everything else was was an actual stretch goal and also mm. was like i'm going to if we reach this astronomical thing here's what i would be able to do yeah mm. and actually the android and ios ports i think have been made after all they have i think the game so oh, okay i mean that's cool okay i don't think and they were things- on launch but they're linked from the website yeah. One thing that was nice about this, the stretch goals, I don't, I didn't see anything there that's like, we'll add a whole new area or mm. things like that. Like, it sounds like he had the game basically planned out from the start and every, mm. well, every stretch goal was just kind of like a little bonus and right. that it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like we got like a compromised game. No, no, not at all. No, it's really cool. It's kind of special to get a new game from Bob Bates in 2017 at all, to be honest. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, 
And then Rant Smooth, like, I, so the game came out and, or the launch, the Kickstarter launched in January. And then the game came out in October, mm-hmm. which is really good for a video game Kickstarter. Yeah. Considering, you know, even other text, text adventure Kickstarters I've seen have taken longer. So I think he must have had it planned out before um, launching it, I assume. And then it was just like, once he got the funding, it was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and write this, I guess. I'm just guessing. Yeah, maybe. Um, and that was even with a delay. I think it was originally supposed to come out during the summer and like mm. there was a post apologizing for the delay. The delay and it still came out in the same year that the Kickstarter launched. So it's, it's really, yeah. it went I mean, in terms me, of video games, Kickstarters. This is really good, right? Yes. So, yeah. I think it helps well that he ran well done, businesses. For sure. Yes. I mean, this man knows. I mean, he's been, he's been around for ages doing this. So yeah, he knows, he knows how to get things done for sure. Yeah. I think it helps. Like the other Kickstarter that I backed that I feel went really well is the Ron Gilbert one for mm. Thimbleweed where he had everything planned out. And I yeah. don't think that really got hit with any giant amount of delays. No, didn't um, they even have the no crunch policy for for that? Or was it Monkey Island? I don't know. I think I think it was Thimbleweed where they they didn't want to put in crazy hours. They just want to, you know. Yeah, I think that's about could be. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, <laughs> they made a game in 2017 by Bob Bates. Uh, I think we should talk about the game. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you want to talk about? Or so, yeah, did you want to talk about the plot? It's always kind of hard to talk about <laughs> I know, that's why I'm, game. I'm punting it over to you. Yeah, um, it's fine. So I no, mean, but I mean, yeah, I. The problem is always that you don't want to give out spoilers, right? Right. But then again, how do you talk about a story without talking about what's going on? Okay, so, so I think the very very brief version is that. You're basically a scientist who is trying to get funding for his new invention when you meet a mysterious stranger who introduces you to a magic magical society called the Bodgers. Uh, and uh, this is where things get a little weird. So they're magic, like... It's a little. It's a weird okay. type of magic. The, the website actually has a pretty good overview of the story without spoilers. You've gotten most of it. Um, okay. It does cover that Thom is a unit of magical energy, which the first place I I ran into that was the Discworld novels. Use that. And Bodge is just a verb to hack or kludge, which feels like a uh, uh, previous generational programmer word. Like everything that came out of MIT that I'm used to. <laughs> I think it's also very British. I think people in the UK still use bodge for, you know, 
when something is just not quite right. It's botched. Oh, I'm used to botched, which is TCH, but I would believe you if you told me that it was just Americans pronouncing and spelling something differently. That's what I thought anyway. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but. That's fine. You were going to say what was interesting about the magic, though. Oh, no, it's just that what the game presents it as like. Like almost like an accidental magic, like you're just using magic to make things accidentally happen, kind of. Isn't that kind of how it's presented? It's like a weird like. It's funny that it's not. They're they're not these grand wizards that do like big spells. It's more like just tipping something over so something happens different than how they it would have played out otherwise. And these tiny nudges is what eventually makes the universe run. Uh, so that's it's kind of fun. Even though I think the game itself breaks away from that. A tiny bit, but within the spell. (laughs) I don't know how closely it follows that premise, but yeah, I mean, that's basically the idea. And it turns out that there's, they are at risk of being discovered and you have to stop that. Exactly. And also save your own research project, right? Um, it, 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 that, I think that's the first text in the game is that you've been working on this big invention for since forever. And, and today is like the deadline. Uh, you have to present something to people funding it and it doesn't work and you have to get it working. So that's, that's like your second secondary goal, I would say. Maybe your main goal in your mind. I mean, that's the, the real thing you're concerned with. All this magic stuff just thrown at you out of nowhere. Um. It's funny how the game is an alternate reality because it's on the one hand it's all magic and 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 all the science makes no sense but it's also just in New York. So it's like I don't know is it is it this world or is it some kind of weird alternate version of this world that's I feel I th- it's the latter. I think it takes the the route of a lot of um uh urban paranormal stories like Dresden Kodak and just says, this is our world or close enough that you're going to understand concepts and I'm not going to have to explain things to you. You're, Mm -hmm. you're a scientist science. You have a lab. It's in Manhattan. You have a microwave, you have a fridge, you sleep on a futon. You know what all these things are. (laughs) Yeah. And then here's the, Here's, here's the magician. <laughs> yes. You're, you've got uh, all your lab assistants keep having accidents. It's bizarre. We're going to send you a new crop of lab assistants. And for some reason, the new crop is one guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who immediately introduces himself by setting up a puzzle for you? Yes. <laughs> it, uh, it works as it, like it is... A, very kind tutorial which continues to further the plot hmm. the whole game is very kindly uh, uh very kind to the player i would say mm-hmm. yeah it's, it, because these text adventures have the um, the reputation of being quite hostile that's how they i don't know that's my feeling that they they want to kill you and they want to trap you and they want to <laughs> trick you but this game doesn't play out like that at all 
This yeah, one they, is really kind and helpful. They um they have that reputation that like the where like it was expected like a tabletop game or a board game that you were going to fail and you were going to try it again, like a choose your own mm-hmm. adventure. Um, there were consequences for your actions and you were going to experience those. Um, right before this, I was looking at the Zarvian cruelty scale, which if you're familiar with interactive fiction, fiction works for uh, the past couple of decades, um, it was like over 25 years ago now. So I'm feeling old, but um this guy Zarf came up with a, a cruelty scale of like merciful, polite, um, something and just cruel of like, mm-hmm. you can get dead ends. You need to make multiple saves. You need to um, like, how mean is this game? And he went through, I think, all the Infocom games and gave a rating. And I kind of wish everyone had carried carried on that tradition so that you were forewarned. Um, mm. But this game is absolutely the lowest scale. I think there's only one death in it, and it's more of an Easter egg, which warns you like three times before it happens. <laughs> right. I do. I wasn't aware of the East. I didn't even know you could die when I played through it because I saw. <laughs> I went to. You have to go to that room where yes. it can happen. But I thought it was just like a joke, and then walked out, and like until I was ready to do the thing. And it sounds like. You had to like basically yeah, you go have out to of keep waiting in the yes. dark while it continuously is like there are grooves. You're in an adventure game. Are you sure you want to do this? Have you saved? Okay. I think this is entirely optional, isn't it? It is <laughs> because I don't remember doing this. I remember it being mentioned, and I just went the other way. I thought, what? No, no, no. This is not. This is not where progress is. <laughs> that's what I sensed. So, oh, that's funny. I should explore this more. This sounds fun. <laughs> it's, yeah. the The game is fun, and it mm. it's like there are a couple spots I got um, trapped on and I had to ruminate on for a while to be able to get through it. But definitely was a like joyful experience where i didn't feel ultimately threatened and pressured to complete like yeah to handle things yeah like the game i think my issue with uh, or with a lot of 80s text adventures is i i i know some people have disagreements with this but i feel like a lot of times you're kind of punished for trying things and playing Mm -hmm. around because you're on like a, you're often on a timer, or items can be destroyed permanently pretty easily. And this game feels like it encourages you to play around and just like cast spells on various things just to see what happens for fun. Mm-hmm. Because you can never get other than when that one room where you have to go out of your way to die. There's also there's no deaths, and there's no soft locks. Like you can't get stuck and have to restart anywhere. Mm-hmm. as far as i know yeah um so it was just fun to just play around like in every room just like try try everything on everything not because i was stuck but just because i would the game often had funny reactions mm-hmm. for everything um 
which is kind of my ideal version of a text parser game because that's what I want to use a text parser for. It's just like playing around yeah. in that world and doing all these things and making it feel like I can do anything um, yeah. instead of, you know, having to continuously restart because I didn't min-max my movements to get to the right spot at the right time, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, um, exactly. It's like know. the whole point of having a parser is that you can just try entering whatever. So, yeah, it's cool that the game doesn't punish you for this. It's also just a very lighthearted game in general. Like the, the text is all very, I don't know, it's half serious. It's half not very serious. It's all, you know, there's even the threats don't feel like, eh, it's all, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fun in games, really. It's all, you know. It's very pleasant. The game yeah. never feels mean to anyone. No any of the characters or anything. Um, yeah, I, I, I really wish that we got more commercial text adventures like this. Hmm. What's interesting, I mean, talking about how kind the game is, um, it's, it's, it's even more kind in... Uh, there, there's like built-in stuff to help you out to make sure you don't get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. There's so um, much. There's I, a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen games with built-in hint systems before. Um, I would say, I, w I wouldn't say it's like standard in adventure games nowadays, but it sort of is though. I mean, I know the, 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 the last Monkey Island had it. I mean, it's, it's, it's still novel in my mind, but actually it's sort of common nowadays for modern adventure games to have built-in hint systems. So this game does it as well. And it does it in a good way as well, because it's like UHS, you know, the, the hint system thing. It's not outright hints. It's more like, maybe think of this, maybe look at that. And then, you know, step mm -hmm. by step, you get closer to the actual answer. So, yeah, yeah it's really this, good. This game has both hints and uh, a kind of like, task list nudge system. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's also... the think verb, right? Yeah, if you review, recap, or think. Yeah. That's really cool. I've never seen this in any game. I mean, games have like quest logs and stuff. That's, that's not new, but I've never seen a game where you just type think and, and your character actually thinks. <laughs> Yeah, it gives you his thoughts of like what happened, and it it's like a little summary of what happened and what you should focus on. I want to really good. I want to say there was one where you can like talk a uh, graphical one where you could just use the talk icon on your character, and it would give you like I should go do this thing next. Mm. But I can't remember which one that was off the top of my head either. Mm. But it is incredible whenever a game has a feature for people who maybe put a game down for a week. Mm. And just like maybe they, whatever for whatever reason they put it down and come back a week or two later, and there's something there that remind them where they were at, because stuff happens. Like the, mm -hmm. you know, people can't always play the same game for. No, maybe you have don't have power for a week or. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. The power goes out at your home for a while, or you get really. <laughs> sick and can't do your podcast for exactly a few Things weeks happen, <laughs> yes <laughs> um so 
Yeah, so it, yeah, it's it was really nice that the game had a built-in hint system, this think feature, and an in-game map. Um, even though I've come to really enjoy mapping things out in a notebook while playing adventure games, um, that's not always super accessible for people. Um, so just, yeah, and sometimes it's just nice to just not have to do that. And you can just type, I think it was just map or something and it'd give you a pop-up window of the rooms you've been in and all that. It's also fairly straight, like up front. Once you, once you get through the tutorial prologue area, they're like, here is your goal that we need help with. And that's your goal for the rest of the game. You, you know what you need to do. You just don't know how to accomplish it. Yeah. Um. We didn't talk about the feelies, did we? I mean, we, we, we mentioned there are feelies, which was apparently a stretch goal. I never saw them. I should go look. Oh, they're I nice. Also, I also completely ignored them. So... It's a shame. I think I think it's kind of fun. I read there's a PDF of uh, because you play as a, as a scientist, right? You play as Eric Knight, and and his backstory is that he's a child prodigy, and his 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 big fam- famous thing is that at 13 year old he invented some kind of cleaning agent, um, which got him a big article in Invent magazine. I think I think a page from the magazine is actually up in your lab. But it's also in the feelies. Like you can open Invent magazine and read the the interview with with thirteen year old Eric Knight who just invented, you know, what what's it called? Clean clean it or something? I don't know. Some. Uh, it's really it's really funny that that they included this and made this. Yeah, um, they're not. I guess unlike a lot of feelies, they're not required to complete the game. It's not like. No. Because often the feelings were kind of a form of copy protection. That yeah. They just happen to be really interesting. It's just really interesting copy protection that's well-written and designed. Mm-hmm. But that's, on one level, that's what the purpose was. And so you don't need to ever look at the feelings for this game to complete it. No. But it's, it's nice. It's just like a fun little thing to look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I if you do play this game, which I think, We'll probably recommend it at the end, but um, if I would recommend it just to read the feelies and stuff. They're out there. I think they they're in the game. I think they're in like a folder. If you like buy it on Steam, you have to open up a folder yeah. to access all yeah. the PDFs. It's, it's very non obvious that they were there, but yes, yeah. they are there. I literally found out they are there today because I was preparing for this podcast. Oh. So I mean, yeah, I had no idea. I just, you know, you just install the game in Steam and you click on play. What do you do? You don't, you don't go rummage around the folder. Who does that? So. I mean, I do usually, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're not like essential. Like I said, they're not essential, but it's, it's nice cute. to have that as a little bonus thing. It's pretty rare for games to do that now. Yeah. Uh, so. Games don't even come with manuals anymore, so. And this apparently there's also like a whole backstory thing on the on the Bodgers and a whole guide. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the new Bodge Times, which is the Bodger newspaper. So yeah, it's really funny that they made this stuff. It helps with the whole world building. 
and putting you in there? Yeah, because I think from what I remember, the, the, the game's not like super heavy on Bodger lore. At the beginning, it is to kind of introduce them, but then they're essentially spellcasters. That's what it comes down to, even if the game tries to spin it a little is. Yeah, the it's museum not... is cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a... The, 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 I, I, yeah, at the start, it's it's quite elaborate, I would say. Um, they explain it quite lengthy, you know, the whole point of the of the club. So... I yeah, guess they I, have to because the, you know the the whole thing is that they're under threat, so you have to first care about them in order to want to save them. So, but I think one thing that's really nice about this game is that it makes it more approachable for a lot of maybe more traditional adventure game players or people that aren't familiar with the genre. Um, you're not. I don't think you're hit with too many giant walls of text or lore dumps i think if you want you can engage with that stuff but i think you can kind of move pretty quickly as well from what i recall i i I just remember reading everything that was presented to me which is to be honest rare because i usually just skim through things but yeah this game made me read it all so yeah, I uh, I remember going and asking all the different inventors about pretty much everything and every name as I learned them. <laughs> there's, there's, they will talk about a lot. They all know each other. Mm-hmm. But you're not required to. No. I, I don't think. And I think that's one thing that's really nice about this game is you can go pretty wild with... There's a lot of optional commands, including the spells... We haven't really talked about the spells that much yet, but you can, it felt like you could cast spells on everything mm-hmm. and you weren't punished. You would just get, you would often get some kind of funny response. Um, yeah. And all spells start and end with the letter A. So you, you learn to recognize them as you're learning them or trying to learn them. Mm-hmm. Aren't they also like in all caps or something? I don't know. I felt they, they, they stood out, but. Maybe it's just the A thing. I don't know. Also, do do spells only work to progress the plot? I mean, can you can you do spells outside of the plot that still work, or is it just is it just funny responses like, "Ah, oh, yeah." I I think it's all just funny responses. Yeah, like uh, there's a couple of spells which summon things, and mm. it's. The responses there are like, you have summoned something which obviously wouldn't be here, but whoever's in the room doesn't notice or doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Like, you're you're never under any risk of casting the spell in such a way that you are going to give away the whole, whole premise. Everyone in the world just willfully disbelieves yeah and which made it so much fun for me to just play around in an experiment where i think maybe if this game was released in a different decade it'd be maybe fussier about what i'm doing but mm-hmm. you i mean there are some times where like one i think some spells you can 
do than make some pretty big changes in the world. And it, or like, I think there's, from what I remember, there's like a spell called Anaconda, I think. Mm-hmm. You can cast that on the Anaconda to make it pop out of existence or something weird like that. But like, it's, it doesn't soft lock you. It, there's a lot of weird stuff like that where you can just, you you just cast spells on everything just to get something funny. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's the game more or less in spoiler-free terms, right? I mean, <laughs> if you go in more deep, then you're just explaining the story. And people should not, people should just play this, I feel. And it, it is very playable. So, you know, just go ahead. It It's also not very expensive, is it? I don't know. Is it, it's on Steam? Uh, let me um, look it up. It's, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know if this is on sale right oh, wow. now, but it's just four dollars. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's really no reason not to check this out. Yeah, it is incredibly cheap. I think I would recommend it even if you've never played a text adventure before. Especially if you're in a, if you I would say this is a great starter text adventure game. I mean, if you're interested, obviously, I mean, don't don't go play this. I mean, right, if, you, but, if you're good with yeah. a lighthearted game where you get to cast magic, you have a clear goal, you're not going to fail, and um, there's a sense of joy that permeates it while you learn things and try things out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I guess before we jump into the spoiler section, um, our game for August is... King's Quest Six, and then um, the classic, and then September we are playing the excavation of Hobbs Barrow, um, and then every episode we tried to do a shout out to adventure game folks um, that we stole from the guest here, Martine for DOS Game Club. Um, <laughs> was there someone that you would like to give a shout out to this week? In the adventure game community or streamer or game developer? We we um we recently did um the aching with DOS Game Club, which is uh, a Sierra AGI style game that's actually for DOS. I mean it runs on an actual old computer. It was released it back in April. And I think people should check that out. It's made by Hadrosaurus Software, who are making DOS games like in 2023, which is amazing. Um, they're also working on Acronia, which is a, like a run-and-gun shooter platformer. But The Aching is a really fun, short adventure game. And they're working on a on a content update, I think. So if you if you get it, then you can play through it. It only takes a few hours, really. But then there'll there'll be an update where I think they're they're adding a section to the to the game, so you can play more. So I think that's my shout out. Okay, yeah. So I think that. Does it for this week before we jump over to the spoiler section? You can follow us on Mastodon and co host and join our Discord. We'll have a link in the show description. Um, Kevin, where is there somewhere where people can follow you? Uh, you know, technically I am on both Mastodon and co host as well, but I so rarely <laughs> open them now that Twitter has. Um, Changed, imploded. 
<laughs> it's literally uh, not called Twitter anymore. Twi- yeah. you, do you mean <laughs> X blaze your glory? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, probably the easiest way everyone here would be able to catch up with me is to just hit me up on the Discord for the game club itself. Because right. I'm over there. Cool. Then, Mar- Martin, what about you? I'm also over there. Um, and I'm also on Mastodon, where I'm actually pretty active, and it's kind of working for me as a as a Twitter alternative. I mean, it's not as big as before, it's not as diverse, but there are a lot of retro gamers there, so I'm having a good time, actually. Um, right. And obviously, uh, the DOS Game Club is my thing, so you can head over to dosgameclub.com, which is our website where we have forums and we do a podcast. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess jump out now if you don't want to hear any spoilers. We'll jump over to the spoiler section. Bye. Okay, we're back in the spoiler section. Um, so was there something specifically that you wanted to discuss here? Well, I mean, we should discuss the end, I, f- I think. Okay. But I mean, maybe maybe save that for last, right? Um, otherwise, it's been a little while since I played it, so I'm just... Yeah, trying to um, remember. I think I don't know. I, I I think I just one thing I want to emphasize again is just how pleasant and nice the game is to all the characters in the game. I don't think it ever gets too mean. Um, there is some weirdness with. There's like a protest at one part of the mm-hmm. game. Wasn't it like the Occupy Wall Street protest? Yeah, it's a little it is. weird. Um, that's maybe my only like weird issue with the game. Like it kind of like, it's maybe nice to a fault because it's also like kind of not, maybe not pro cop, but it definitely isn't against the cops either, which is weird. Yeah, the whole, (laughs) the whole point of that scene is to get the protest cleared, right? Yeah. Yeah. the, The protest is in the way. And 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 your goal is to get the the protesters out of there. Like, and you can talk to them, and you can talk to the cop, and the only one who actually responds to you is the the police, and they're very very kind to you, mm-hmm. and seem to just be like, oh, everything's fine. Like, we're just we want these people to leave. It does feel odd. Yeah. I wouldn't say the game is outright against the protesters either. Though. No, 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 no. I, I didn't get that feeling either. It just, I think if it felt like to me that it more presents it as just like, everyone's got their differences, I guess. And it's just like, well, I think there's a, a little more to it 
that, but um, yeah, yeah, especially like, well, I'm trying to remember how people felt about in in 2017. I think even in 2017, that still would have read a little weird. Um, but I think it's fair enough. He doesn't really want to go into it, but then yeah, again, why, I get why, it. I why, know. yeah, but why put it in the game then? I, I know. mean, could have just made up another. <laughs> thing that blocks your way so it's yeah yeah it's weird it's weird to put in <laughs> such a political thing and then not say anything about it right that's just a that's bit i think that's why it's so weird to me it's just that it like it definitely it's extremely political <laughs> it like really does not want to have a stance on it um even though like there's other things that are not like there like there's a spell in the game to get histories on like you kind of get like random memories of characters and you can cast a spell on someone and, and it has a very nice backstory about it basically just says they're a trans man but it's just hmm. it's very, it goes into just it basically says like that they're very happy now uh, like I forgot what the exact details were but it was very pleasant it's like oh okay that's not that's a the random surprise but it's not, so the, like the game is just very nice to everyone i guess that's his politics i guess yeah um but yeah i don't know uh, the game is also weirdly alpaca heavy there's there's yeah. uh there's a whole spell dedicated to it there's a whole area dedicated to basically well there's there's a zoo right but I feel the whole point of the zoo is to get you to the alpacas. That's like why the zoo is there. So. Yeah, there's some spells in the game where I think the the premise that it's just people who kind of like nudge things a little with their magic kind of falls apart when you have like an Aretha Franklin spell. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to bring up that spell as well. It's so weird. It's so, I mean, it's funny. I, I get it. it. Is. It's so random. That I think the spell is literally called Aretha. Yes. You get a spell that's called Aretha and you cast it. And then it people just start singing the song by Aretha Franklin, Respect. I think that's mm -hmm. the whole spell. <laughs> yes. That's very specific. <laughs> um, which is fine. I think that's funny. Oh, like, yeah. I it's love funny. when games have unusually specific spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a complaint, but it's just funny that no. it doesn't really connect with the accidentally making a thing happen. Yeah. Um, there's a, I, also, I think there's a yeah. couple spells like that. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the whole section where you have to copy someone's badge. I just like sneaky stuff like that, like sneaking out. A, like, I, I think someone is, um, getting a massage or something and you mm -hmm. have to steal their badge from their jacket and then make a copy of it and then put it back and if you don't then he'll, you'll you'll be found out and i that that whole section felt re really well designed to me like yeah. you can you can mess it up and still continue but you can also do it well and it just feels really sneaky to yep. enter a place where you're not supposed to be that's always you know that's just right up my alley. Yeah, that's definitely a spell or not spell puzzle where uh, maybe if this game came out in a different decade, you would get punished really easily. Like where 
the game's very forgiving because mm-hmm. I messed that one up a couple times. Yes, yeah, and you, you just continue and you just do an, another attempt again when you feel like it, or you think that you figured out another part of that puzzle until something else comes up, and it's like, okay, it's, mm-hmm. that's uh, it's very it's like I said before, it's kind of like my ideal text adventure where it's not it, it, the world's easy to navigate and you're encouraged to experiment and you're never punished. I think at one point I even tried to do a spell on something and and the description was something like, well, that's not that's not actually the solution, but it's very creative of you to think of this. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> uh, I wanted the, the mysterious guy who won't even let you see his company logo or tell you anything about his booth. I really felt like I should have somehow I like as an adventure game player I wanted to get figure out what the hell was going on there and like get past him or learn some information and you just don't <laughs> everything at your disposal just never pans out to provide you conclusion there mm-hmm. I am I am half sure that that this is a reference to someone Bob Bates actually knows this is some kind of in joke. Yeah, or just people at like conferences. This. Yeah, yeah. There is more stuff like this. Um, I think I think Mike Ferdu is is a character in the game who is also the the person who he co-founded Legend with. So I'm sure there's more stuff from his life. Which he there's in. a lot of conference humor in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, most the the one place where he's not kind is most investors. They're just mm. painted as villains. Yes. Yeah. I'm fine with that. That's yeah. that's I don't have any issues with that. <laughs> I I also don't, but it, I just it occurred to me that no no, he he punches in one very mm. specific direction. <laughs> very good. There's some, and did either of you go? So there's one part where you're at a, I forget what the room's called. It's like a lecture or presentation hall or something where it's clearly like you can turn on the Kickstarter backer reward, basically, where it's like, I did not do that, but did either of you do? I did, and I was very confused because I'm like, oh, this is the Kickstarter thing. But up until the point where I hit that, I was like, I'm just trying to solve puzzles here. How do I get past this? Let's try interaction with this thing. And now I'm looking at Kickstarter backers. Well, okay. Was there anything interesting? Was it basically just like Kickstarter backers running up and saying their one line or whatever they wanted to say in the game? Was Is that basically what happens? I'm pretty sure it was. Did you uh, invoke that, Martin? In case your no, memory is better it, than me, <laughs> this is the this is the room where um, they run across the coals, right? Yeah, the fire walking. Yeah, the I I, I did love how much the uh, the actor is like this is all just garbage, but hey, if you're <laughs> gonna see it, sure, I just need your ticket. Yeah, I I did notice the names they read out were Kickstarter backers, but. I'm not a Kickstarter backer, so I didn't know what else to do with this. Um, I just solved the puzzle, you know. I just walked across the coals and got out of there. 
So, no idea. Okay. There was also... I'm also curious if this is a thing outside of the U.S. There's a room where it's like a machine. I'm trying to remember what it was. It's like a machine or something for like where people speak mishear, misheard lyrics, song lyrics. Yeah. Did you? So did you recognize any of those? Is that a thing? I'm like, I don't know if that's a thing. I think there were mostly all. pretty big songs that were also hits in Europe, but. I don't know all songs, so I don't know. No, 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 but like, okay, I was just wondering because like, I feel like a lot of those were like famous, like lists of like famously misheard lyrics. Some of them felt not real. Right. Yes. That happens whenever I see like a list of misheard song lyrics where I'm like, no, that's not a real, people aren't doing that. But like, Jimi Hendrix's Purple Haze and stuff where like there's like some famous ones and i don't know if that's a thing that like i know of this phenomenon but not in english i mean okay you know so i'm from the netherlands people speak dutch so people hear dutch phrases in not non-dutch songs which are obviously not there but that's that's the phenomenon i know and i don't know any of the famously misheard English lyrics okay. in okay. English. So, no, these were all new to me. And I I don't know. I found the whole thing a bit weird, this whole section of the game. <laughs> the whole idea of a machine that corrects, I don't know. I thought, well, this is actually where the game also is kind of just fun and nonsensical. That's This is, this is what I meant with the whole alternate reality thing, you know? It's just... That, that, this just makes no sense. This is a scientist expo. But this is not a an actual scientific. <laughs> what is this? This is a device right. that corrects misheard lyrics. Okay, okay, okay. Right well. across from the guy who can uh, <laughs> what magically converts different items. The Viking guy who does that, and then there's the guy who has invented a time machine. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. None of the science. That's that's actually one of the funnest things to me is that none of the science is particularly scienty. Sciency, like, I mean, the magic people are not way different from the science people because they're all doing nonsense. So, yeah. yeah. If anything, the science inventions are more powerful than anything mm-hmm. the magicians are doing. If you're inventing time travel, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I, I felt it's fun. There's this sense of anything is possible. I, I that's. That's to me the, the 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 thing that Bob was saying with this. Like, you know, just imagine anything and anything is possible. Just build a device that can do it. It's a yeah, I don't know. I thought that was pretty fun, to be honest. But I I think I think the ending kind of ties into this, right? Because you have to choose between magic and science, basically. That's, and that's I, what the whole ending I, is about. Yeah, and I think you felt the same way where it kind of heavily leans towards one, even though it kind of, I think it's sort of trying to portray both as like good ending. Like there isn't like a bad, I don't think there's a bad ending. No, no, no. But there's one that say, felt more satisfying. Yes, it was It was better written. The it's other not the one, one where you just finish your project and, and be a scientist, is it? 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which to me, I mean, that's the one I default to because that's the game opens with that. That like that's the premise. Okay, you are a scientist, you have this broken device, you need to fix it. So I to me, this this thought never left my mind. I was always, okay, I'm here to get my research project funded. So to me, I mean but the whole magic journey is fun, but in the end I get the opportunity to to do the thing and I thought oh yeah I want to do I want to get back on track this is like the the main quest so I don't know it, it made sense to me I'll I, don't, I understand they are pushing you towards the magic side though right it's they they want you to follow the classic character uh journey of you have gone through this and you have come out changed and so now mm. your your goals are different and you can't return to life the way it was but since they give you the option, I feel like it should have been a bit more rewarding. Like, yes, I did this thing, but in my heart, I want to do this. So I will continue pursuing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's less rewarding for sure to just do the basic thing and just, you know, I think he, he doesn't he erase your memory or something mm -hmm. it's like the the man yeah. in black thing yeah and that makes it feel a little hollower like it was a me. dream it never yeah. happened okay yeah yeah it's it would have been more fun if 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 he just said you were gonna be some great scientist or something it doesn't really even say that i think it's just yeah you're back to your life okay good luck but yeah I mean, it clearly wants you to take the yeah. other. So it's almost like, why put it in there? It's like the last, your last decision too. You're just kind of, you just undo it and pick the other one to, or whatever. That's why, I mean, I picked the magic yeah. one first and then I thought, okay, I just want to see what it says for the other thing. And just, I think it actually stops auto-saving right before you're able to make that choice. Because mm -hmm. when I boot the game up, it's like, oh, I'm standing there with Jack able to choose which way I'm going to go back to my lab. Mm. Um, it makes no sense to save after that point. Nothing right. happens. So, yeah. Right. It's a, it's a fun game. I, I recommend it. I mean, it's, yeah. I hope people check this out. It makes me wish we got, I, know, I guess he'll never do a sequel, but it, it is a fun world to play around in. Yeah. Right, it feels like a um, modern take on when you're first playing Enchanter or some of the later Zorks where it's like, yeah, I'm learning this thing and there's, there's this whole world opened up. There's all these things. Where is it going to go next? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I don't know if anybody in the interactive fiction community has sort of picked up on that where in the way that they picked up on continuing Zork style mm. games. You could easily make a fan game in this world. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know how it did. I mean, I think it's done fine. And that, like, after it's really, I don't know, it got 31 reviews on Steam. They're positive. So, um, but that's partially because Kickstarter's weird. Like, you, if you get a game as a reward from Kickstarter, it does not count your review so and i assume that most of the people who have played the game were backers and yeah that's that. a bit of the problem with this whole model isn't it like 
if you if you have all the fans of the game back it through Kickstarter, then who are you gonna sell it to? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. No, I think the weird thing about like text games is uh, the communities always struggle with. It's hard to sell them to people because there's no graphics, but also a lot of people read. So it's like, how do there's always that like, it feels like there's just not, you wouldn't have to do that many steps. Like there's a way to crack that, but no one's ever figured it out. Maybe. Maybe instead of screenshots, they should write really um, attractive little blurbs of text that describe the world which act like a screenshot so it's like a text description of a a screenshot maybe that would be a way to sell these games i don't know i don't know people just people just like people like visuals that's i think that's the bottom line people look at visuals first and then determine if they're interested or not so people read books (laughs) yeah and how many books true. sell by cover? That's true. Mm. I bet. Do we just need good cover images? Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Like. Anyway, the the, the one <laughs> yeah. the one thing I would like to point out, which is an to me a very interesting uh, angle. This game is uh, totally uh, compatible with screen readers. So if you are nearsighted or partially blind or, you know, just have a visual impairment, then you can just totally play this game and it completely works. So I I think that's one uh, audience that that the game could. Yeah, that's something really nice about the text adventure community is just basically all those games written in in form and tads, I think, work with screen readers. I think it's great that these games are accessible to uh, to screen reader users. So. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, like, if you're hearing, like, my hearing's not always amazing. And so, like, that's never, it's just text. I can just mm-hmm. read text. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've always loved that about this genre. So really accessible, yet yet nobody wants to play them. <laughs> I know, I know. It's... And people shoot, and that's why we're here promoting yeah. it because Stormistry yep. is really cool. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything else that we wanted to say about this game? I don't think so. All right, Kevin. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. Um, yeah. It did not take super long to play. Uh, exhausting all the options. I think I had about seven hours logged into it and I definitely wasn't sitting at my machine for all that time because I would just leave it open while I went and did other things. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's not very long. I mean, it's, it's the sort sh- of thing you can play in a day, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it, it did, but it felt satisfying to it. It didn't feel short or too short. No. So, yeah, it was nice. All right. And it's only four bucks, so. Yes. Right. I think that's it. Okay. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Well, thank you.
All right. My pleasure. Yep. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>